Welcome in, friends, to Betting Pros College Football. Early look, it's a little look ahead. I'm Chris Welsh, and joining me as always is Thor Nystrom. We have got big games. We have got lots of fun stuff for you, and we have got some action. Oh, yeah, it's about to all kick off. Thor, we're coming off of week nine, which saw, I believe, one of the biggest top 10 upsets in college football in God knows how long, and some betting lines that really didn't play out for the sharp betting of maybe, you know, oh, I don't know, a look ahead for Tennessee with Georgia. That didn't happen, so some upset there. Uh, anything you got for us coming off of week nine that's standing out as we are going to be doing our look ahead to week 10? I thought it was a really fun weekend, like like you're mentioning, and now you move the calendar into November and you get action, and we have some some really enormous games as far as playoff implications. None bigger this weekend than Tennessee and Georgia. So it's a really fun time to be a college football fan. Yeah, we've got a ton that we're going to be breaking through. So hold tight, and uh, Thor is going to get you guys all set up for any of you guys that want to jump on any early lines. Or, you know, get into action, which is total degenerate time because that means we get to bet on college football on a Tuesday night. On a Wednesday night, we get to sit around, be absolutely ridiculous. There's a lot of good stuff that's going on right now, uh, full on. But we get full Maction football. And Thor, we, we got to mention it. So I'm going to run through a couple of the lines for Tuesday and Wednesday. And then anything that stands out for you, for the true DGens that are ready to get down with it, uh, let us know. It's going to kick off with Ball State, Ken State which Kent State is currently six and a half point favorite. This is going to be, I mean, just, it's gorgeous. Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. God, you got to love Maction. You've got Ohio hosting Buffalo. Buffalo is a three-point favorite on the road. And then Wednesday night, when you really want to get into it, you've got Northern Illinois that's hosting uh, Central Michigan, minus four. And Bowling Green is hosting Western Michigan, minus three and a half. And what I love about uh, the Wednesday games is you don't have a, you have one team with four wins on the year. And really the Buffalo, Ohio game is the only one with like two teams that are over 500 for action. So I gave you uh, four games, four lines. What stands out for uh, anyone that's ready to get down with some action? Oh, I'm getting so juiced for action. Um, <laughs> my, my, my early lean on, on the action games would be on ball state. I think that the Kent State line is too inflated. So it's it's Kent State minus six and a half live right now. My line on that game is Kent State minus 4.9. We've already seen these last like three weeks, Kent State getting inflated in the market. It seems like some, some heavy hitters believe in Kent State, but they've been, it, it, you can fade them effectively, or you have been able to at least to this point. I've done it a couple different times in one money. And this game, it feels like, again, there's like a point and a half or two point tax on the Kent State side. Kent State's run defense is an abomination. It might be the worst in the nation. If it's not, it's one of the five worst for sure. In this game, they have to contend with this kid, Carson Steele, from Ball State, a super-duper tough kid who is very hard to tackle. Kent State's one of the worst tackling teams in the nation. So as far as getting six and a half points in, in that game, first game of action, I would definitely lean towards Ball State. The Buffalo-Ohio game, I'm not sure that I'm going to bet on that one. That's a fascinating one. Buffalo has looked like maybe the best team in the MAC the past couple weeks, but Ohio is definitely better than we thought they were going to be coming into the year because they have, at least for the MAC, a dominant offense. They can move the ball on anyone. It's just their defense is so bad. There's going to be a whole lot of points scored in that game. The Central Michigan Northern Illinois game, you would need to have a good idea about the status updates on one guy from each side. Lou Nichols on the Central Michigan side, who's been out for a couple of weeks now, 
you need to know that he's going to play if you're going to invest in Central Michigan because that team stinks with him on the sideline. And then Northern Illinois with Rocky Lombardi, who's been in, in the lineup, out of the lineup, in the lineup, out of the lineup. Northern Illinois plays way up when Rocky Lombardi is starting and way down when he's not. So you need to know the status updates on those two guys. Hopefully we get them in advance. And then the other one, Bowling Green against Western Michigan. Western, So, so my line in that game, it's Bowling Green minus 1.1. The live line is is Bowling Green minus 3.5. But I'm absolutely not going to advocate for a play on Western Michigan. I have not bet on them once. They are one of my biggest bets in the summer was the under on Western Michigan, which is going to get there very easily. But it, it's a team that I have hated all fall um, and, and into the summer. And I'm they, they've given no indications to change that opinion. So I understand why, why the books have dropped sort of like a two-point tax on Bowling Green. But like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not going to try to take a stake on the underdog in that game. I'll even consider going against my system and playing Bowling Green potentially. I love that you said that because I was literally going to say, "Hey, we're kind of getting a hook on there for a field goal. Would you do it?" You straight up answered it. Um, obviously, you know this has to be dug into to more, but this won't be something that's going to be tackled later in the week because this happens on Tuesday. But it kind of sounds like both those overs in play in the Tuesday games, the Kent State Ball State with the bad tackling, and you were saying Ohio. Do you think both uh, the over on the Kent State Ball State is 62 and 58 and a half on that Ohio game. Do you think either of the overs are in play? The overs in Mac games are always in play. It's a great yeah. American tradition betting the overs. And in particular in those games, yes, the game script is going to lean heavily in that direction for sure. Oh man, get your, get you guys ready and get set and uh, get your books, call your bookie, and <laughs> get on your app because Maction is here and it's going to be fun to uh, bet through uh, the rest of the next, last couple weeks here. Uh, we've also, we've obviously got the big games coming up here, but we do have one, we have one ranked game coming up uh, prior to Saturday when all the big action is going on. So let's jump into that one. This is going to be on Friday night. It's a Pac-12 game. Oregon State, number 24, Oregon State, now 6-2. and two. I believe they are coming off of a bye. Uh, going up against Washington, who's 6-2. and two. So it's going to be a big matchup here. The early line is set at 4.5, and, and the over is a 60. What do you think on this one prior to Saturday if you're getting in on some Friday action? This is a good line. That's exactly where this line should be. My, my adjusted line in that game is Washington minus four. You know, I mean, the, you know, the game being in Seattle with the uh, arguably superior team with Washington that, you know, maybe that explains the half a point. But like to me, this line is is spot on it, unless it changes one way or the other. I will probably not be betting that game just because I think that's a sharp line. Big avoid. All right. Uh, going into Saturday. But we want to tell you guys, friendos. If you want to track all your wagers in one place, and I know you do, because it's literally the biggest pain for me is going through and trying to manually type in bets to some of those places and really just going from book to book. Betting Pros has got you covered with their pick tracker at bettingpros.com slash pick dash tracking. It syncs up with your sports books to tally which picks hit which miss gives you a live look at what the public is doing. So you can use real time tracking to determine which plays to make and which to fade. Get on the leaderboard and quickly become a sharp by using the free advice we have to offer at bettingpros.com slash pick dash tracking. Do it. Make your life easier. Spend more time betting. We have some good tools, man. 
We we have some really good tools, like some of that stuff. It, it it's really good. I I do have to say, yeah. I touted it while doing the baseball podcast this whole year. Uh, people find me over. I uh, did it all season with Joe Pizzapia. One of my favorite tools on betting pros was the uh, prop cheat sheet when it would generate all the props, even if you didn't. And this is just a plug for them. Even if you didn't necessarily love what the algorithm spit out, what I loved about it is it would put players on my radar immediately that I could go and I could research further instead of doing just a blanket look. Across the board, and that is just one of the many tools they do, obviously for football and baseball. But uh, go and check them out. Betting pros and the uh, pick tracking is awesome. Saturday, let's go! Big, big, biggest game of the year: eight and zero versus eight and zero. Number one versus number two. There was no look ahead situation for Tennessee last mm. week, as Tennessee was up against Kentucky. Everyone was kind of playing that card here. Tennessee won 44 to six that over didn't hit by the way, which kill me here. Uh, That one was brutal. Georgia beat up on Florida 42 to 20. So this is two powerhouses. Thor, where are we going with number one versus number two? I believe the early line is set at nine on Georgia right now at home. So what do you got? My, my line on that game is, is Georgia minus eight in my system. Uh, I, I had another good week last week. I've had like four straight good ones. My biggest mistake by far was back in Kentucky, um, which was one of those, those ones where like in the late first quarter, you're already doing a ticket bonfire, knowing that, <laughs> that, that, that there's no chance that you're going to cover that game. Uh, Tennessee, man, um, they have overcome everything and they keep exceeding expectations it doesn't matter the opponent because they've beaten a a variety of different teams that play in a variety of different ways. doesn't seem to matter what the situational spot is either. They overcome all of it. And now they've gotten back to full strength with Cedric Tillman getting back. That's particularly big in this matchup when you're going up against this nasty uh, defense of Georgia's, I think they match up. Okay. With Georgia, Tennessee, Um, like the, the strength of the Tennessee defense by far, it's their defensive front. They're really good against the run. And in the last game, the, the, the weakness of, of the Vols defense is their secondary. But in the last game against Levis, they were sending Tennessee was sending pressure that was getting there and spooking Levis. Can they get pressure on Sets and Bennett similarly? Uh, where Sets and Bennett's not just back there and he, he can fish for plays downfield when that happens. Because if if Tennessee is able to slow down Georgia's running game, Stetson Bennett is going to have to make throws in this game for Georgia to win. I would definitely not be laying the points with Georgia here. I I would lean Tennessee for sure early in the week. And uh, it was funny. I I was texting your buddy Bogman on on Saturday about about the Tennessee-Kentucky game because we were on opposite sides of that one. And I was was very wrong. And I I, I told Bogman um, that that it was a cheap lesson learned, um, you know, trying to fade Tennessee for the last time because I told him I'm not fading them the rest of the year. Like that's – I, I learned my lesson trying to step on the train tracks. I'd been on Tennessee earlier in the season, you know, like against Alabama, stuff like that. But I, I, I tried to stick my hand in the cookie jar and it got chopped off. So I'm not going to be I'm not going to be fading Tennessee again. Lesson learned on that. And in this game, I would I would lean the Tennessee direction. Yeah. And one of the worst things about this, too, getting back to that over, because that was I know that was a play you two both completely agreed on, even though you were on opposite sides, was all that happened in this one was Kentucky just had nothing. Kentucky couldn't keep up their end of the bargain. Tennessee scoring 40 whatever points. They just couldn't keep up with that over. So it's kind of a big line. Do you think we're going to come down on the line in the week? Do you think we're going to get like 
Georgia closer to a touchdown? Do you like what type of movement do you think is going to happen over the next couple of days for this game? Because I think there's going to be so much massive interest because of number one and number two rank, but finding where you want to bet it's going to get tricky, especially if that number comes down at all. I think that's really hard to say. And not just for me, where with where the books put that line. I, I don't think they know where the money's coming in. They know they're going to get an enormous handle on this game, but they put that that this line in a dead zone where the market will get to dictate, you know, setting it at nine. The market will get to dictate, it, does it get up to 10 or is it going to move back uh, down towards seven? But the book was not, or the books were not willing to sort of plant their flag on one side or the other of that, they're leaving this thing in the, in that hazy sort of dead zone and letting the market decide. I, I honestly don't know, right? Like, I mean, you, you know, just in a vacuum, you would think that Georgia would be the, the more public team just from name value going into the past. But Tennessee, it's it's been hard to buy a Tennessee ticket and not cash this year. So, like, at some point, th- there's going to be a critical mass, sort of like with the 29 LH, uh, 2019 LSU team where people just started to bet on them, bet on them, bet on them towards the end of the year. Tennessee is about to hit that that threshold as well. So it's really hard for me to predict exactly where the Sharps are going to be in this game and where the public is going to be. Do you think the real, just one last thing, do you think the line as far as the over 65 and a half is what it's currently looking like? Do you think that's right on money? You think it's a little high for uh for number one, number two, you think that's going to be play? I mean, obviously you're going to talk about this a little bit later in the week, but just at a first eyes glance, you think that's going to be playable? It it does feel a little bit high to me on, on first glance. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, because again, like Tennessee's defense can address what Georgia's offense would prefer to do. And then Georgia's defense is so good. But, but then again, Tennessee's been lighting up everybody. Like Kentucky has an awesome defense. Kentucky has a top 10 SP plus defense and they're, they can defend both the run and the pass except for on Saturday when they were playing the boss. Yeah, you wouldn't have known it last week. 100%. Exactly. Going to be an awesome game to watch. Uh, we got another one. Number six, Alabama, seven and one, coming up against number 15, LSU, who's six and two. Both teams coming off of a bye. This, I mean, this this on a normal week would probably be a big powerhouse game as a must-tune in. Uh, obviously, Georgia-Tennessee taking that. But uh, what are you thinking about this bad boy? I'm a little surprised with how – with, with how high that line opened in Alabama's favor, being a 13 point favorite on the road at night in Baton Rouge with an LSU team that has been playing a lot better uh, in, in recent weeks, it would, that's a bridge too far for me at, at the 13 number. My adjusted line in that game is Alabama minus 10.7. I, I feel like the fair line would be closer to 10 as opposed to the 13. This one will be interesting. You were talking about where's the money going to go on Tennessee, Georgia. This one's really interesting too, because I'm 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 going to be sniffing around LSU hard this week. Do you place? You know, if, if you're interested in LSU, do you place your bet early and then you know like guarding yourself against it falling into the twelves, or do you wait on the idea that this thing could get up to thirteen and a half or even fourteen? I'm going to be looking around at the market indicators early in the week to try to sort of gauge where that where that's going. Um, but I, I, I definitely prefer LSU. 
You think this has to be like uh, them coming off of a buy situation, why they're getting that? I kind of agree with you. I, I feel like this would be sitting around more like a 10, uh, but maybe this is them coming off of a buy, having a week to recoup themselves, obviously having just kind of a reestablished moment of uh, having a loss this year. And even though it is not a normal LSU, not a normal number 15 LSU team, even though they're going into home, I feel like this is a giving the extra benefit, maybe even two or three points because they're coming off of a buy. Yeah, I, I would say just name value because you never see the Alabama game where the, you don't have to pay the tax on the Alabama side. And that hasn't changed this year, despite, you know, for instance, them losing to Tennessee, a loss that looks way better in hindsight. Um, like, you know, uh, Bryce Young, first of all, was compromised in that game. And now we know, I mean, t Tennessee looks like sort of a Leviathan. So, I mean, you know, with that, the, the market has not lost any faith in Alabama that that's sort of what I think that is, but your point's well taken as well on the buy, which um, hopefully gave Bryce Young another week to get healthy, and hopefully he's going to be the healthiest he's been since pre-injury in this game, um, and and we'll see how he does. But LSU can defend the pass, so it's going to be interesting. So how about we go from these two awesome, great matchups, one versus two, you know, big, great records, uh, division battles, and then we go and we look at. Number two, Ohio State, who's eight and oh, going up against one and seven Northwestern. We reason we bring it up, obviously, is because Ohio State, and we've got a huge line on it. It's early set 38 points for Ohio State. What do you think? Where's the bet on this one? Can you bet is Ohio State gonna put up 40 plus? Uh, well, yeah, in, in terms of the, the margin for sure, maybe, um, but yeah, but yeah, in, in terms of just road score, they're going to put up way more than that. Uh, Northwestern's defense is so bad that last week they gave up how many points to Iowa. I, it was the first Iowa game I was watching. It was like, Oh, Iowa can move the ball. And the announcers, the whole game were like, Oh, this is sort of a renaissance of Iowa offensive football. If they can just keep playing this way the rest of the year, Iowa might not lose again. And I was thinking like, yeah, if only they could play Northwestern every game for the rest of the year. Um, and, and Northwestern's offense stinks too. Like they, they just don't have any talent. They, they try to run tempo and get their yardage that way by gassing defenders and catching you off guard, stuff like that. But it don't work. It's all just smoke and mirrors BS that any decent defense could just wipe off the board. They pose zero threat to Iowa's defense. Ohio State's defense isn't quite as good as Iowa's, but it's pretty close now that it's ticked up uh, with Jim Knowles there. Uh, I, I definitely would not be taking the points with, with Northwestern at home, even though it is an enormous line. Um, my, my system would suggest it's not it's not as inflated as a lot of these games tend to be. My system has Ohio State minus 36.6. So this feels in line to me. Um, I, I'm not interested in leg 38 of the road with Ohio State either, I don't think. So it's probably going to be a stay away for me. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested in, in, in trying to, to back Northwestern in this spot. Also, 62 and a half is the early over under. Again, that kind of feels like one Ohio State would probably have to carry most of that. So there might be a stay away uh, uh, potentially across the board. And I uh, want to remind everybody that you guys have a chance to win a signed T. Higgins Cincinnati Bengals helmet. How much better did that get, unfortunately, with Jamar Chase out, the number one? And this is courtesy of our friends over at Pristine Auction. All you got to do is you got to subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now. If you're watching the video, it's like right below us. It's really easy. Then go and comment below this video. You can say how uh, handsome Thor and I are, whatever you want to say, whatever smart, awesome thing you want to say. And that's it. We'll be announcing a winner right here on the channel. So make sure you turn on those notifications so you guys can be alerted uh, when new episodes are up. 
and you can claim your price. T. Higgins, Cincinnati Bengals autograph helmet. Pretty, pretty awesome. We uh, gave a focus into TCU last week. TCU coming off of a 41-31 victory to West Virginia, number 17, uh, number seven team in the nation. They're going up against Texas Tech. This is a Big 12 battle. TCU 8-0, Texas Tech 4-4, four four, the early line. Though, and this, I, I don't know if this smells or is fishy at all, TCU by 10 at home, 8-0 versus 4-4. Four and four. Maybe you would think there'd be a little bit more of a uh, of a, a difference between that spread, maybe a little bit higher. But what do you think, Thor? TCU, 10 points. I agree. It feels a little bit light to me. Uh, my, my system has TCU minus 11.3. And coming off the game t- Texas Tech just had, I, I, I watched that game when they were playing Baylor. They looked bad. And it was in a, a spot that was sort of a spotlight spot for Texas Tech. That day, they had put – they'd either retired Mahomes' number or put him into their Hall of Fame. But it was like Pat Mahomes' day in Lubbock. And Joey McGuire was the longtime Baylor assistant that recruited most of the kids on the other roster. And they could not help from getting absolutely blasted. And then at the end of the game, Texas Tech started making some weird decisions. Like, they were getting blown out, and they decided to put Tyler Shuck into the game. The kid who broke his collarbone in September, we hadn't seen him since. And, and now the, the, they're sort of on the wrong end of an avalanche and they decide to throw Shuck in cold off the bench when he hasn't played in months. His very first throw is a pick six. I think his second play, he got sacked. There were several more sacks to come. He looked really bad. Um, you're definitely going to see, you know, Baron Morton is going to be the guy going forward. They soured on, on Donovan Smith earlier in the year and Shuck, I don't know if he just doesn't have it or if he's just not healthy or, or what it is. Um, but Baron Morton has has a decent arm, and certainly they're going to try to attack TCU through the air. But TCU, it's another one of these teams like Tennessee that has overcome circumstances over and over and over again and continues to cash tickets. Um, I, I mean, like these last three, four, five weeks, every single time there's been something sort of fortunate that happened to TCU that allowed them to cash the ticket. Uh, last week, my my the sharp thread that I'm in, People were going nuts with the last play from TCU West Virginia. I, I don't know if you saw it at, at the very end. Uh, TCU was only leading by three points, and they were at like the uh, West Virginia's like 30-yard line, and they decided to go for it on fourth down. West Virginia jumps off sides, and so Max Dugan was like, screw it, I'm just going to chuck it deep. And they got a touchdown pass on that play to cover with like you know 25 seconds left or whatever to cover the seven and a half. Prior to that, it had been quarterback injuries to the opponent in every single game, like going back like the last three or four before that, um, it, you know, you keep expecting TCU's sort of circumstantial luck to run out. But in this case, I, I think the values on TCU in the pregame, and I think they match up decently well here. Yeah, I think I saw the two most popular dogs I saw for last Saturday were Kentucky and West Virginia. And I, I saw a lot of people bemoaning the brutal, brutal loss they got to TCU. So that was brutal. I uh, also want to point out, for this week, as far as ranked games go, because there might be something higher that I'm not looking at, the highest over-under is set for uh, this game at 71 with a ranked opponent. Uh, does that feel a little too high? I know, again, it's early. You probably hit on it later in the week, but uh, 71 points for Texas Tech TCU. Do you think that's at all going to be playable? Not not, not this one. Um, I like. I think the book is like, how high can we set this thing? My my just a total on that game, my systems, it's the highest of the week. 78 points is what my system said for the over-under of that game. There will be points. 
There will be points. There will be blood. There will be points. Uh, all right, let's go over to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, number 18, 6-2, going up against Kansas, 5-3. and three. What do we got on this game? Um, so my, my adjusted line on that game is Oklahoma State minus 5.8. Um, adjusted total on that game. Another very high one. I, I have my system's adjusted total on that game is 75. So we, we're, we're going to have some shootouts in, in the Big 12 uh, this week. Um, with this line, it's sort of curious, right? That it that it's only Oklahoma State minus three and a half. It, it's kind of interesting. Maybe a part of that is just um, sort of the market in the immediate aftermath of Oklahoma State just getting annihilated by Kansas State ask. and Kansas State's backup quarterback and, and Will Howard. I mean, th- that was like right from the jump. It was it, it was like that that meme of like stop it, he's already dead, you know, sort <laughs> of a thing. They yeah. just kept they kept pouring it on. So, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. Kansas was on, you know, Oklahoma State had the, the awful week. Kansas was on bye, and Kansas badly needed it because the last three games consecutively before that, Kansas had suffered a major injury in every single one. One of the things I'm going to be monitoring for in this game is you go back to the one of the three uh, major injuries I was just referring to, I think the first one, Jalen Daniels, when, when he got knocked out against Funny enough, ironically enough, TCU, which started the run of TCU knocking out the opposing quarterbacks. But what, like the week after that, there was the report that Jalen Daniels had had suffered this this severe uh, shoulder separation, and he was going to be out for the year. That that's what a Lawrence Journal World beat reporter reported. Daniels comes out, quote tweets that guy, and was basically like, "This guy doesn't know what he's talking about." And then uh, the next weekend, Pete Thamel of ESPN, generally very reliable, um, he reported that. Daniels is not out for the season and that the earliest possible game he could return is this one. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of different smoke as far as the information uh, coming out, like, you know, where, where the re- where reporters are saying, and then Daniels responding to it, whatever. But if Kansas gets uh, Daniels back in this game, that certainly ticks them up. Uh, he probably worth a couple points on the spread against Jason Bean. So that, that, that's going to be something to watch out for, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting where this line opened. It's a little fishy. Yeah. It's a little, little fishy. Fi- I mean, yeah. Like you said, like you got to account for the absolute blowout that they took, but still, you know, the ranked team like this coming off of that, it seems a little fishy. If Daniels is back, by the way, are you going to jump immediately if they release any props, uh, rushing yard props on Daniels? Are you going to jump on it this week? I I, I might. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> my, my, and and by the way, I think this is a another thing. You know, it's not just sort of like the perceptual thing. Uh, this is also a very good spot for Kansas. I would say, you know, both Oklahoma State coming off of what they came off of, but Oklahoma State also took their second loss. And not only that, their second loss in the Big 12, and not only that, their second loss of their last three games, this is a big-time deflation spot for them. I mean, earlier in October, earlier in the month, this was a team that was like, ah, maybe we can run the table. Maybe we can win the Big 12. Maybe we can even go to the college football playoff. That stuff is all off the board now. I mean, even like the 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 sort of long shot of like, you know, maybe we can, can, can be discussed as a one-loss team, that's now gone as well. So their dreams for this season are now over on the Oklahoma State side. Now you travel to Lawrence to this to, to play Kansas, a team coming off of the bye. And one interesting thing, and this is the, the time of the year where we start to talk about this stuff, Kansas has been stuck on five wins since their fifth game. They started out 5-0. and they, They've had some close losses since, you know, they lost by seven to TCU on, in the game where Daniels got injured. They lost by 10 
to Oklahoma um, in the game where their cornerback one got injured and they lost by 10 to the Baylor, right? Um, They've been close to getting that sixth win. They have not quite got pushed that rock all the way up the hill. This program has not been to a bowl game since I think the year I was out of undergrad, which I'm not even going to say what year that was because I don't (laughs) want to date myself like that. But that would be for a lot of programs. It don't you know, like it's not that that's not as big of a deal for the Kansas program. That is enormous. The idea of getting to six wins. There's going to be a big emphasis on this game because Kansas, their schedule going forward. It's the hardest in the nation. And, and I mean, it basically has been since post the fifth game. The schedule after that just became an absolute bear. So any game where they have a potential to win it is going to get enormous emphasis going for this six win. It's a good situational spot for Kansas. Maybe that explains some of the line stuff, too. Always love the breakdowns. And if you do as well, and if you're looking for free picks, player props, and breakdowns on almost every game that college football has to offer, it's not just here because this is the early look. When you get a real look, Join Thor Nystrom and Mike Farrell on Game Day Live presented by DraftKings each and every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. If you've got questions you need answered, they got you. Our team of experts will be live for 90 minutes of nonstop action leading up to kickoff to answer all those questions. So join the live stream and toss your questions in the chat. Game Day Live presented by DraftKings Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Make sure to do it, friends. Uh, A couple more games here we'll take a look at. Number five, Clemson, 8-0. He's got Notre Dame, so at least we've got a little bit of a matchup here. Currently, the early line looks like Clemson, three and a half. Again, it's fishy. Three and a half points on the road, sure, but it's the number five team in the nation going up against Notre Dame. Over-under is under 50 at 47 and a half. Why is this fishy? Why do we have a fishy Clemson line? Uh, yeah, it, I, I agree with you. It is fishy. Uh, my line my line on that is Clemson minus 4.1. Um, it's it, it's certainly noteworthy, and it's certainly interesting. Um, I mean, we're, we're sort of kismet where Clemson really struggled to beat Syracuse and they needed to yank their quarterback in that game to do it. And then, of course, they were on by last week. But then we saw the opponent this week, Notre Dame, play Syracuse last week, did not have the same kind of problems. So maybe like the, what, what do you call it, the transference property of like the A plus B, B maybe that's informing some of the confidence uh, in Notre Dame like early on in the week in, in, in the marketplace. Um, but like you wonder how N- Notre Dame is going to do against Notre Dame's offense is going to do against this Clemson defense because Clemson's Clemson's front seven is so nasty. Um, and, and Notre Dame is, they have a dearth of playmakers. It's basically run the ball and then try to force the ball to Michael Mayer. Um, Clemson at least has the athletes that some of these other teams don't in terms of trying to address Michael Mayer. And the rest of the, the offense is, is vanilla on, on the Notre Dame side. But then on the Clemson side, you also have questions about, their offense last time we saw them that was the game against Syracuse where they benched DJU and they they brought in Klubnik they they won that game after they did that Klubnik didn't look great and of course right after the game Dabo came out and was like you know DJU is going to be our starter but that's something interesting to watch and to think about as well because if nothing else we now know definitively that DJU's leash is very very short and so if, if DJU comes into this game and is struggling in the first half Notre Dame pulls ahead. You, you, you might see the hook in that one. Um, maybe, maybe that is some of the pessimism, too, in the marketplace uh, for Clemson right now. It, where the line is, it, it the margins are, are pretty close for me. But if that line comes down and, and if this thing gets any if, – if it you know, I mean, certainly if it got under a field goal, I would absolutely be laying on Clemson. 
that that's what I'm going to be crossing my fingers for in the next couple of days as I handicap that game. But it'll be interesting to see where it goes. So in a world that not all things are created equal in that, you know, uh, Clem, number five, eight, no Clemson versus Notre Dame is five and three or four Michigan. Who's eight. No is coming up against Rutgers and there is no fishiness because Michigan is a 25 and a half point favorite. So no questions on offense. Uh, Rutgers, obviously not the same team that Notre Dame is, but you think there's going to be a bet here for number four, Michigan who's been on a roll. So my line in that game is Michigan minus 25.4. My my system's total on it is, is 55. The the question for people considering Rutgers in that thing is can you sort of uh deduce a way, a deduce a path for Rutgers to score any points in this game? Right? Like because they're gonna have to get uh what uh well at least 10, certainly, maybe to 14 to, to cover this thing. The, the I actually like the Rutgers defense. Like they they play tough. They they play assignment sound. They tackle. It's but the offense is just so putrid. It it is it's just so bad. Last week they were in Minneapolis where I'm where I'm coming to you live from, and they could do absolutely nothing against the Gophers, a Gopher team that had lost I believe three straight games heading into that game. The Gophers had no problem shutting the lights out on the Rutgers offense. So this handicap entirely comes down to can you can you perceive Rutgers scoring? Like again, getting into the double digits against the Michigan team, that would make them potentially viable against the spread. It's hard for me to trust them to do that, especially when I know the quality of Michigan's defense. Did you say, did you have the over your early line at 55? 55. It's 45 and a half, uh, just pointing out that uh, for the public. So 45 and a half posted. If you want to talk about a value versus Thor's line, that's a 10 point value right there on the over under. Is that something you think you're going to feel comfortable playing the over under based on what you're seeing? The, the, so you said it, you said it's 44 live. I say 45 and a half. 45 and a half. Yeah. That I would be more interested in that than the side. Um, because we don't need as we don't need as much help for the Rutgers offense. You know, as, as far as where that number is, I'm confident that Michigan is gonna put up points in this game. You know, maybe not an offensive bonanza, but they score. They've scored on every defense that they played this this year. I'll take you back to the Penn State game. Penn State's got a pretty decent defense. Michigan carved them up, and, and a team that that other people there's been teams that have really struggled to run the ball in Penn State. Michigan did not whatsoever. Um, so yes, I, you know, I, I was saying this stuff. I, I respect, respect Rutgers defense. I absolutely do, but Michigan's certainly going to put up points on them and, and where that line, uh, or where that, that total is again, we don't need the help from Rutgers' offense that we potentially do when considering like the, the side bet of, of the game. So yeah, I, I would definitely lean towards the over in that. Uh, two more games. We'll take a look at number 13, Kansas state, who's now six and two is going to be hosting Texas, who is 5-3 in a Big 12 matchup. You've got Texas on the road as a two-and-a-half-point favorite versus a top-15 team at home. So, again, is this fishy or is this just right? Did you did you say it's two-and-a-half now? I see minus two-and-a-half Texas wow. early. Holy crap. So, I'm, I just looked at a different site. I'm now seeing te- on that site it listed a Texas minus one-and-a-half. That's fascinating. And the reason why is – in the openers, when those drop uh, yesterday afternoon on, on Sunday afternoon, Texas dropped at minus four or even minus four and a half. Th- that is really interesting that the money is coming in on, on Kansas State. It's really interesting. And I'm also super disappointed because I I missed my window to bet on Kansas State at over a field goal. I like Kansas State in this game. I th- This fascinating early week movement, I think it's right. Um, I think Kansas State matches up really well in this game. 
they, they the, not only the way that they play, but the way their team is constituted, they slow down the game. Like their offense, it allows their defense to get some rest, which in a game like this is big. And then they have the really solid defense, which can address both the, the pass and the run game. And this Texas team, they can be multiple, of course, because they, they now have the quarterback and then you go along with Bijan, whatever. A, a defense that's going to slow them at all. They need to be able to defend the both of them. Kansas State can. And then we were talking about some of the home field advantages early earlier in the show. For instance, you know, LSU in, in Baton Rouge at night or, or, or a couple of those different ones. Kansas State and the Little Apple is an enormous home field advantage. This is going to be a really tough environment for Texas. And in particular, their first year starting quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who's now making what is the fifth start of his career or, or you know, whatever. Now he's got to go into Kansas State. This, this is a tough one. My line on this game and my system is it's basically a pick em. I I have Texas minus 0.3 points. So, so my system says this game is a coin flip. I actually slightly prefer Kansas State. Um, and and I totally agree with where the line movement has gone early on. Final matchup uh, that we're going to take a preview on is in the ACC. Two ranked teams, number twenty versus number twenty-one. Wake Forest, number twenty, who's six and two versus six and two. NC State, who is twenty-first in the nation. Early line looks like Wake minus four. Your over is set around fifty-four. What do we got on this bad boy? Yeah, I I think this line is too short. Um, so you have two different things going on here where. Last week, you know, I've been talking about some of these teams that look bad last week. Uh, there wasn't many teams that look worse than Wake Forest. Uh, and and the third quarter that Sam Hartman had in that game was one of the worst singular quarters I've ever seen, a, like a college quarterback play. And it was crazy that the quarterback was was that good. But there was like every time you looked up, it was a pick six. Like I mean, it, it was it was just wild how how quickly that one got got away from Wake Forest. But their awful showing in that game where they lose was it 48 to 21 to Louisville that awful showing it's going to give you a little bit of line value turning around to this game particularly when you know the context that NC State is way down after they lost Devin Leary their starting quarterback for the rest of the season NC State has not been the same team since Devin Leary went out um this line to me it, it should be a little bit higher knowing those sorts of things but I also get that the the market it just probably doesn't want to bet on Wake Forest right now after what it just saw against Louisville, but Sam Harmon ain't going to play that bad again. Friends, you can find him on Twitter at 4KU. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel right here over on Betting Pros and the podcast because it's not just about the look ahead. You're going to get all the week's action as Thor has got more content coming for you uh, the rest of the week so you guys can get set. As always, I'm jacked up. I'm ready to bet some action. I'm not going to even wait till Friday or Saturday. I'm already ready for Tuesday. I'm ready for some overs. I'm going to do it. Hopefully you will as well. Make sure to tweet at everybody. Let us know what you're betting from action because Thor's going to be jacked up and is a must follow on Twitter, especially when college football is going down. It's the early look right here on betting pros. That's Thor. I'm Welsh. I will talk to you guys next week. Thor will be here later in the week. Goodbye, friends.